John 21, 15-19 Jesus reinstates Peter When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this is to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Good morning everyone and welcome to St Saviour's. My name is Ian and I'm a member of the church here. Today I've been asked to preach on part three of our Easter encounter series. And uh, this is from our piece of scripture from John 21 verses 15 to 19. And obviously like Jester said, my lovely wife Jo. As I was praying into what God wanted me to preach on around today's series theme and scripture, I felt that he wanted us to focus on the following two statements. And these two statements are, despite our denial, there can be revival. And through Jesus' resurrection, there is restoration of his creation. I'm going to say it again, don't worry. Despite our denial, there can be revival. And through Jesus' resurrection, there is restoration of his creation. So before we do that, I'd just like to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone here right now. Lord, you know exactly where everyone's at. And Father, I just thank you that they're here today or tuning online. But Lord, just pray that you'd speak to us individually, personally, and collectively for your glory and your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's begin by looking at today's scripture from John 21, verses 15 to 19. The book of John in the New Testament is the last of the four Gospels recorded in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And chapter 21 is the last chapter from the book of John. In this scene from today's scripture, we have Jesus having a conversation with Peter. But this is not just any conversation. It is a conversation that propels Peter into the spotlight. Not only for the rest of his earthly life but even to the end of his earthly life and beyond. What follows is not only the start of the church as we know it, but the church as we know it is started by Peter as instructed by Jesus himself. This conversation between Jesus and Peter is the third time Jesus had appeared alive to his, his disciples. This was after his crucifixion and resurrection from the dead, but before his ascension back to the Father in heaven. Now, I don't know what you think, but for Peter, that was definitely an Easter encounter. (laughs) So normally when I write a sermon, the Lord guides me to add three points. 
The reason for this is to help us remember something of importance that he is trying to say to us all. So today I felt like there's going to be three points that are a little bit of a difference. Not only is the number three going to be a constant uh, thread throughout today's sermon, but it's actually going to be three points within three points. I know, it's incredible, isn't it? Uh, before I start and get too carried away, I'd like to first look at what the word restored actually means. So restored have a few helpful definitions, including the following. So number one, to bring back or re-establish order. Number two, to return someone or something to its former place or position. Number three, to repair or renovate so as to return to its original condition. Uh, a couple of years ago now, Joe and I were having some building work done at our house that lasted for about a year, which was fun times. As some of you may know, having building work done can be very messy, dusty, and stressful, but so worth it in the end. You start by having a vision in your mind and your property and how you want it to look and function once it's done. Then you get an architect in to draw up the proposed works. And once your vision is all drawn up, you then go through all the necessary legal bits or the boring bits submitting your building plans to the council, getting the necessary agreement signed until you get the green light from the local council to finally start the build. The build gets going, there's mess everywhere, and you start having second thoughts. Then you start paying your weekly instalments to the builder and you're looking at your house going, what on earth am I paying all this money for? <laughs> but despite this, you still cling to your original vision for your house, even though you feel like giving up and throwing in the towel. Before you know it, the building work is done. Your house is not only restored, but even better than it was before. The wait was worth it in the end. I don't know if you remember the 80s program, uh, Challenge Annika, hosted by Annika Rice. I think I watched it with my mum when I was a wee chap. It was a program where someone used to write in with a need for a friend or a family member. And it usually involved building, fixing, or restoring a building of some sort. Annika and her team would try and complete this task in a certain time frame. I just remember her and the team running around frantically trying to get their job done in time. I'm pretty sure they always did it at the end and all as well. The equivalent uh, program in the noughties is DIY SOS with Nick Knowles. Nick has his own team as well, consisting of builders, electricians and plumbers, having to build, fix and restore a building too. Not only to its original state, but to an even better state than before. This is for someone who needs help but can't help themselves. Okay, leave the building work there for a minute and let's look at our first three of our three points. So number one, Peter denies Jesus three times. Before we look at today's scripture in more detail, I just want to go back a bit in the Gospels to the first three of our three points, which involves Jesus and Peter. This is where Peter denies Jesus three times. Peter denies knowing Jesus three times to three separate people. These people recognised Peter as one of the 12 disciples and as a follower of Jesus. At this point of Peter denying Jesus, Jesus had already been captured by a large crowd from the Garden of Gethsemane and was led away by them with force. Jesus was then beaten, whipped and flogged, even before his crucifixion on the cross. Following at a safe distance away not to be seen by anyone or to be associated with Jesus was... Peter. Before this scene still, in the Last Supper, Jesus tells Peter that he will deny him three times. 
despite Peter not believing this would happen, in the end that is exactly what happened. Jesus predicted Peter would deny him three times. And Peter does deny him three times. Okay, so let's go back to today's scripture of John 21, verses 15 to 19, and look at the second three of our three points. So number two, Jesus questions Peter three times. So how does Jesus question Peter three times? Jesus says three times to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? There is an interesting contrast when you look at the Greek words for love used by Jesus and Peter in this passage. When Jesus says to Peter three times, do you love me? The first two times the Greek word for love said from Jesus to Peter is agape, which refers to unconditional love. But however, the third time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me in the Greek is the word philio, which refers to a more of a brotherly friendship type of love. So, what was Peter's response to Jesus? Peter says to Jesus three times, Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know that I love you. But what sort of love is Peter responding to Jesus' love on these three occasions? Peter is responding with filial love, a brotherly love. So, in essence, Jesus is saying to Peter, even to us all here today, Do you truly love me? Do you really love me? Are you even my friend? I believe that Jesus asking and modeling to Peter his unconditional love for Peter, he's setting Peter and us all here an example. An example whereby he is challenging Peter to love Jesus back unconditionally too. This is not just to Jesus unconditionally, but also to show that unconditional love to others. This leads us nice into our third three of our three points. So number three, Jesus instructs Peter three times. So we have seen how Peter denies Jesus three times, how Jesus questions Peter three times, and now finally we're going to look at how Jesus instructs Peter three times. So how and when does this happen? You might have noticed that after Jesus questions Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It is followed by three separate instructions. These instructions from Jesus to Peter are, number one, feed my lambs. Number two, take care of my sheep. And number three, feed my sheep. So let's look at what these three statements mean. Number one, feed my lambs. Who are the lambs that Jesus is referring to here? The lambs Jesus is referring to represent a new part of his church, a new part of his flock, a new part of his family, God's family, a new child of God. This can also be known as a new believer in Christ. Are you a new believer in Christ? This is someone who has repented of their sin and personally let Jesus into their heart and in turn given their life to him and live for him. So Jesus instructs him Peter to feed his lambs is feeding them spiritually by feeding them with God's word, filling them up with the truth of who Jesus is and who you are in Christ, his precious child. Number two, take care of my sheep. We've just looked at lambs, which are not only baby sheep, 
Um, but as we have just learned, are baby Christians, new believers in Christ. So what does take care of my sheep mean then? In the Bible, Jesus is referred to many times as our shepherd or the good shepherd to his sheep. His sheep is his flock, his people, his church, his children. Sheep also refer to mature believers and the lambs, the new believers, are included within the sheep flock. I nearly did that, I don't know why. Sheep flock. Um, (laughs) The lambs, the sheep, the new believers, the mature believers. All believers in Christ are one body, are one church of which Christ the shepherd is the head and in charge of the sheep. Guiding them, protecting them, instructing them, teaching them in his ways through the Holy Spirit sent from his heavenly Father. And number three, feed my sheep. As you might guess, Jesus instructing Peter to feed his sheep is referring to feeding all the sheep, feeding all the believers with the one true spiritual food. This is God's word from the Bible. This is to point people to the one true God revealed to us perfectly in God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to make us more like Christ. And not only that, by us accepting Christ into our lives, he can then get to work, not only restoring us to the glory and the likeness of his son, but also restoring his creation too. The church of Jesus Christ on earth was born. The restoration of God's creation was set in motion. It started from Jesus' earthly ministry, a ministry which started from God entering into his creation in human form. Born into this world as a baby at the birth of Jesus. A birth that the whole world to this day based the whole of history's timeline around. To die on a cross as a sacrifice for everyone, then three days later being raised to life in his resurrection. Fast forward to today's scripture that we have been exploring with Jesus, commissioning Peter to start his church on earth. Despite our denial, there can be revival. Through Jesus' resurrection, there's restoration of his creation. I'd like to explain how these two statements apply not only to today's scripture, but how they apply to us all today. So, okay, the first statement, despite our denial, there can be revival. So what does this mean for us all this morning? We have seen in today's scripture that Peter denied Jesus three times. This denial still came after Peter spent so much time with Jesus. This included witnessing many miraculous signs and wonders in his presence and by his presence. Peter was not only personally selected by Jesus to start his church, but his original name at birth, which was Simon, was then changed by Jesus to Peter. Peter's name now meant rock, which confirms Peter's role in starting the church. This is highlighted in Matthew 16, verse 18, where it says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. This is the point where Jesus commissions Peter to start his church to continue Jesus' earthly ministry, to be in charge of his church, his flock, after his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension back to his heavenly Father. So if Peter could deny Jesus, what about us here today? I think our denial could take different forms and can be broken down in these three words, which begin with the letter S. Salvation, surrender, and service. Let me explain how and why I'm linking the word denial 
with these three S's. So the first S, salvation. Are you someone who, over the course of your life, has heard about the person of Jesus, that he is God's one and only Son, that he died on the cross for you, that he offers eternal life for you, that he has saved you, eternal salvation for you? Have you denied Jesus and his salvation for you? Maybe today is the day that what will change. The second is surrender. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Do you know with 100% certainty that if you die today that you would spend all of eternity with Jesus in heaven? Are you denying surrendering your life to him? Or are you already saved? Are you already a Christian? If that's so, have you surrendered to the Lord's ways? Have you surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you turn away from sin and follow the ways of the Holy Spirit to live a more pure life? Or have you denied the opportunity to surrender to God and receive his Holy Spirit? Have you denied walking away from your old life of sin despite your new life in Christ? The third S, service. Maybe you're a Christian, you were saved, you have surrendered your life to God, you've received the Holy Spirit, you have turned away from your sin in your life, and you follow the promptings of the Spirit to live a more holy life. But what about service? Have you got God-given gifts that you know you aren't using for God's kingdom? Are you denying your spiritual gifts? Are you denying the countless opportunities God has given you to use your gifts? So whereabouts are you in relation to these three S's? Salvation, surrender, service. Now, we're not all perfect. We all struggle with different things, whether we call ourselves a Christian or not. But despite this, we're all forgiven by an awesome, loving, forgiving God, which is shown perfectly for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to receive his forgiveness again today. Maybe for the first time or the thousandth time. But sadly, many people deny salvation, surrender, and service in this life. That doesn't stop God from restoring and reviving us in his creation. At this point, I think it's very important to clarify that even though we sometimes deny and sometimes God revives, it doesn't mean it's okay for us to live how we want and dishonor God. Even though God can still work through our brokenness, we should always look to Jesus and strive to imitate his holiness. Despite our denial, there can be revival. And that leads us nicely into our second statement for today. Through Jesus' resurrection, there's restoration of his creation. So at the beginning of this talk, I mentioned a few building examples of restoration. And in closing, I'd like to look at today's second statement. Through Jesus' resurrection, there's restoration of his creation. And I believe this second statement wraps up everything we've looked at today. The culmination of restoration for God's creation is only possible because of Jesus' resurrection. The culmination of restoration for God's creation is only possible because of Jesus' resurrection. So how does Jesus' resurrection bring restoration to his creation? Let's look at, around at God's creation today. Despite God's goodness still being present in his creation, his world, our world we live in, is broken. We see, broken, we see brokenness everywhere in the world right now. Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, the coronavirus pandemic, which is still very much at large. 
climate change, which is getting worse, and people going hungry now more than ever before. We are all broken as well. We are all part of God's creation too. Which means then that we're all part of God's restoration for his creation through Jesus' resurrection. Yes, Jesus entered his creation as a baby. Yes, Jesus walked this earth and set up his church through Peter, despite Peter's denial. Yes, the Holy Spirit was then poured out on his disciples, which led to revival. A revival that has been passed down for the generation, for the restoration of his creation. This only possible because of Jesus' resurrection. The God who gave his life as a sacrifice for our life on the cross. Because Jesus dies and we was raised to life, we too can be raised to life after we die. Christ was raised to life so we can have eternal life. An eternal, never-ending restoration of his creation with no more brokenness but just perfection. If I can invite the band up now, please. Thank you. I just want to end by reading from Revelation 21, verses 3 to 4. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of this has passed away. This is our eternal hope. This is a reason for Jesus' crucifixion. This is a reason for Jesus' resurrection. That despite Peter's denial, there was revival. Despite our denial, there can be revival. God's creation can be revived and come alive. There will be restoration of God's creation. Will you be part of this restoration? Will you accept Jesus' invitation of salvation? I'd just like to close in prayer. Father, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for all these lovely people here today and listening, whatever's going on in our lives, Lord. You know exactly what's going on. And I pray you just meet with them personally and powerfully and lovingly, that they know they are a special child of God. Whatever words have been spoken over them in their life, whether from a young age or in recent days, Lord, we just pray that you just soften hearts right now. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And we just pray you do what only you can do and draw people to your son, Jesus. Amen.